The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the G'day power, everyone and welcome power. to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host, Mac 19 and back this week is the Rickster. How are you feeling, buddy? Back from the man flu, mate. It's a uh, it's a grind. This is a this is a killer. Bloody kids, they're horrible things, aren't they? Mate, I was uh, almost expecting to have to send your wife some flowers to say uh, commiserations for you passing away. But don't back. Um, you are back. Don't, uh, don't give up too quickly. That that still could be on the cards. <laughs> Man, brutal, brutal, brutal. But hey, we all know that man flu is a very serious illness. It's it's up there. It's up there. It is up there. But yeah. what can we do? I've, I'm left with this uh, sexy, husky voice that I'm sure uh, the ladies love and mm. some of the guys out there. So uh, I'll do my best. Yeah. AIDS, syphilis, man flu. Mm. They're the three killers in our society, I think, these days. Well, I'd put, I'd put a man flu above... Uh, AIDS these days. I mean, they can prolong AIDS now with the new medication. Man flu is just incurable. Yeah. Maybe one day, mate. Keep, when's your uh, keep living when's the dream? Your last, when's your last bout of man flu? Okay. Oh, it's probably about uh, probably about two months ago, I reckon. Two months ago? Yeah, about that. I usually get one or two a year. Yeah. Thankfully, no syphilis or AIDS to speak of, but uh, definitely get uh, the man flu once or twice a year. Through your children? Uh, yep, yeah, usually they're the carrier, Matt. Yeah, they've uh, we've had lots of fun diseases uh, since having kids, so it's been wonderful. Hand, foot, and mouth. Who knew that th- that was a thing? And uh, all sorts of stuff. So it's been great. Love the yeah. kids. Hand, foot, and mouth. Did you get that too? Yeah. Really? Uh, we all got that, mate. That was wonderful. Great time to be alive, that one. What did, um, what was that like? Uh, not not much fun. Not much fun. No? no. Really? Yeah. Did you get, get like, ulcers on your, on your mouth? No, nah, I didn't get them in my mouth. No. No? But got a couple on my hands, so I just had to stay home for a week or whatever. And all that sort of stuff, so... I had uh, I had the chicken pox when I was forty. Chicken pox, forty. Chicken pox. I even had I even had pox on my wing wing. Oh my goodness, that is too much information. It was uh, it was like herpes without having herpes. Again, <laughs> far too much information. So let's move on and talk about our love and hate this week, which is uh, moving right along. Uh, let's let's go with our hate this week. Uh, first up, what's your hate this week, buddy? What's your hate? What's my hate is probably I don't know. I don't really have one to be honest. But if I was to have one, I'd say Kane Farrell's form just isn't good enough at the moment. And um, I'm a, I'm a fan. I like what he can bring to the table. Uh, he played some really good games through the first half of the season, but. The last three or four games, he's just been absolutely anonymous and um, just needs to do more than get one kick, two marks, three handballs in 75% mm. game time. 
Like, yeah, we need more. If we're going to win finals, we need more than that. But there seems to be a few players that seem to go through that sort of rut. Motlop's been the other one. He's not a lone soldier there. It's, you know, I mean, he could have really had a goal. The one that Dersma kicked, it was probably, he was there in the spot first and uh, Dersma came in a little bit later and, um, you know, got the spoils. Um, but... Um, it feels like know, that, uh, that position we've had a bit of trouble with this year, that sort of uh, half-forward flank moving up to the wing. Um, you know, Motlop's struggled there. Rosie hasn't had a great year. And, of course, um, Farrell as well. So I don't know if it's just that position which just seems to be getting a little bit lost in how we play footy. But um, Maybe uh, maybe they're doing other things other than getting the footy. Maybe. But, um, it's a decoy role. Maybe. But uh, I don't know. He just needs to do a bit more than what he's showing at the moment. Like... I don't really care if he doesn't kick goals, but he needs to be... If he's not kicking goals, he needs to be more of a sort of 12 to 15 disposal player as opposed to a 4 to 6 disposal player. Mm. Yeah. But I guess he's a... I'd rather him getting four disposals than one of our prime mids. So um, could be worse things going on. Exactly. Exactly. What's your hate, man? I had a few. I think you can hijack any of these if you didn't really have a hate. Um, it's not even our goal kicking. The, the standard of AFL goal kicking is deplorable. I think yeah. it's the worst in the, my whole 47 years of watching football um, that I've ever seen um, goal kicking. Like for professional athletes um, that are paid big money across the board, it's diabolical. And I, I, I just wonder... Maybe the AFL needs to review this 30 seconds to have a shot on goal policy because I think obviously these guys are working as hard as with their running as they ever had and maybe um, it's affecting their poise um, to be kicking goals under pressure like that. And uh, I'd rather them have 45 seconds or 50 seconds if they need to um, and set themselves to kick goals because that's what I want to watch footy for. Kick, watch goals, not um, not to just watch out on the falls and you know mungle punts and and rubbish. That's yeah. what it is. No, that's fair enough. I'm just having a quick look now, and it looks to be the worst accuracy of a season. Um, I'm go- I've gone back to 2005 now, and uh, it looks like, yeah, in the last 15 years, it's the worst. 51.97% accuracy, and most seasons, it's around the 52.5 upwards mark. So, uh, yeah, you might be onto something there, and uh, I don't know. I just think the standard of football as a whole this year has been pretty poor, and thank God we've been winning games, because... <laughs> and, uh, and our games have been watchable because of it, but... Um, a lot of the other games have just been snorefest, mate. They, they just have not been good football to watch at all. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, normally we don't, we're not in a position to make finals around now, so I haven't really had an interest in watching any neutral games. But um, it's, um, you know, because there's consequences to other games and where we sit. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've, had an, I've had an interest in what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it's... Well, I don't know if we can blame COVID 
completely for everything. I, I just think, <coughs> excuse me, I just think it's yeah, it's just out of control. But um, I mean, it's definitely. I know we've obviously got um, limited um, uh, time in terms of uh, you know the quarters have been cut by you know twenty percent or twenty five percent or whatever it is, but. Um, it's definitely the lowest scoring season I can remember on a sort of pro rata basis. Because, you know, the, the amount of games that, <laughs> you know, it's been on in the background and I've had a look at the scores at halftime and it's like two goals, three to three goals, four or something. It's like, <laughs> like who's going to sit down and watch that as a, as a neutral viewer? Like, not many people are going to watch that. Yes. Yeah. It's... Um... It's just average, but I guess we'll just have to see what 2021 brings. Mm. I um, I also had question marks over um, uh, DeGoing being able to play AFL football. Why he's got a court hearing uh, against him for um, what is it, sexual misconduct or sexual assault, whatever you want to call it. I just uh, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me that uh, he might be innocent, but. Even if he is, like, you know, until the court hearing, I just think it, it brings our game into basically um, disrepute. And, um, yeah, and I just think um, the AFL, uh, they need to stand up for for this sort of behaviour. And I don't, it doesn't even, you know, I know a lot of it, the majority of it's against women, but, you know, men are sexually assaulted as well and abused. And, you know, there's just no place in society for it either way. And I think the AFL should uh, have a zero tolerance to it until uh, until people are proven innocent. Yeah. I think that's probably fair. I guess they're looking at an innocent until proven guilty sort of uh, thing there. But... I did find it a bit amusing. Someone pointed out on Big Footy today that um, you know um, Elijah Taylor's been stood down by Sydney for the allegations against him, and how Gill came out and said, you know, like the allegations are abhorrent, and um, you know any sort of violence towards women is just absolutely unacceptable, and the AFL take a zero tolerance stance, and then the very next. Um, advert at the bottom of the article is um, on how good Dugowie was in his first game back. <laughs> yeah. And he's still got that over his head. And it just seemed a little bit funny and hypocritical. But uh, there you go. That's the AFL for you. I feel like there's a, uh, a stronger need to clamp down on this behaviour when it seems to be Indigenous players compared to non-Indigenous players. But, hey, maybe that's just an incorrect observation of mine. But um, that seems to be... Uh, the vibe that I get from it, but I just think it's poor and um, it doesn't matter which club they play for. And, you know, I mean, uh, they were happy to slap uh, slap down uh, sanctions on um, on Sam Powell Pepper, which were just, uh, just rumours and not even uh, founded. And he had a three-game ban, um, you know, and I, I'm positive that affected that guy's mental state for that that season. Mm. Um, you know, I just think some consistency and some respect to people that get abused from the AFL, which is all about being a figurehead organisation. They should stand up and uh, and actually uh, show some kahunas. Yeah. A couple of people on the speaker chat. Chris has said in relation to the goal-kicking issue, uh, Port aren't the only ones this year. However, it will cost Port, uh, probably Port or the Lions a premiership because that might be the difference. And uh, Sid has said, um, but they've increased the time between goals, which is true. 
Um, and Sid has also said, is there anything uh, to the fact that these periods of footy frenzy are in response to Plate uh, Seven's loss of the Olympic Games and therefore online content? Also, yeah, but view, I mean, viewing the, content. But the uh, the gap in between the um, in the break after a goal's kicked isn't actually helping a player kick a goal. That's helping their recovery from general play, I guess. But I think it's more about commercials more than anything. But yeah. it's you know, I'm talking about you know the old Matthew Lloyd. What did he used to take a minute thirty to kick a goal? Now, I mean that that was probably excessive. And Paul um, Salmon, mate, bloody half the quarter's gone. <laughs> you know, but you've got to flick the grass, pull your socks up, you've got to do all of that sort of stuff. And, yeah, and I, I tell you, the other, the, the other, I'm full of hate today. I'm full of it. You know, the, <laughs> the other one, I'm sick. And, you know, it was the whole reason we created Port Fan Radio in the first place was because of the, the lack of Port content out in the media. But, you know, not that I listen to AA very often, but, you know, only when I jump in the car, but every time, bloody, all I hear is shit about the bottom team on the ladder. And then even, and tonight, like, I heard three cuts to, at different times to Port Adelaide, and it was like 10 seconds, and then it was talking about something else. You know, it was like, there is, I don't know, maybe I'm just missing it at the wrong time, but there is no real dedicated attention to Port Adelaide in the local media as far as I'm concerned. And, and so we need more people doing uh, podcasts on Port Fan Radio because mm. um, it's diabolically poor and uh, I just can't be stuffed. Fair enough. Mate, three-game winning streak. They're the form team of the competition at the moment. So mate, look finalists. Out. Look out. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, they're finalists, mate. They're all... Uh, they're all good for uh, 2021 when they're going to take us down, apparently. That's it. So enough of the hate. Do you have a love this week? I do. I love do. that. Well, that's a surprise. Oh, I hate. Come on. I'm not always hateful. <laughs> but I am, I'm in love with the fact that we're top of the ladder. And I'm in love with the fact um, that we're beating these average teams. Because years gone by, I think all our supporters uh, have got short memories. We would cough up. Um, losses against these average sides, uh, which would jeopardise us making finals. And you know, for the first time in a long time, we're actually beating some good sides, but also demolishing the bottom and the crappy sides. And that's why we're top of the ladder. And as supporters, we should uh, be over the moon. And uh, I just think it's a great achievement in our 150th year. It's something I wasn't expecting. Um, that we're right up there and um, and we're competing hard and uh, look, we've given ourselves a great opportunity to maybe uh, do something we weren't expecting. Mate, at the moment we're four wins away from a premiership. That's uh, pretty damn exciting, I have to say. Like, uh, whoever would have thought we would be in this position this year? And it's a credit to the club, the coaches, the players, everybody involved that. Um, you know, we really hit the ground running at the start of the whole COVID nonsense and um, got us in a really good position straight off the bat. And we've just continued that form. And yes, we've lost a few games, but it's only been three games. But, um, you know, we've won the games that we should have won. Um, you know, we've, we've beaten teams well that we should have beaten well. And uh, we're playing pretty bloody good football at the moment. And, um, you know, it's a credit to the whole club because... Um, it's been great watching us play this year. 
And I, I can't, I'm going to get one of your questions on Big Footy out of the way early. I can't believe people are actually even asking the question, should we lose to avoid a, uh, a team in the, uh, in the first week of finals? I mean, come on. I mean, how crazy is that? We're top of the ladder. Like, <coughs> bring them on. All in well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we, if we lose on purpose or who we play, it's going to be a tough first week, isn't it? Like, we're either going to yeah. play Geelong or Richmond. And uh, both aren't <laughs> both aren't going to be easy to win. They're, they're both they're, they're probably the two form teams or the two favourites for the for the flag. And yep. um, you know it's it's up to us to beat them. But we'll be on our home turf, and uh, hopefully we'll play the game by our rules. Oh, I mean, I'm excited. I yeah, I think uh, we deserve to be uh, right up there, premiership. Premiership favoritism. I got I got us at a eight dollars fifty macker, and we're coming down. So I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. Well, it's been a great season, no doubt. And um, as I said, it's been great watching us play this year. And you know, to be thirteen and three, um, what a marvelous position to be in. And I, I just can't wait. I can't wait. As I said, four. We are four, at the moment four wins away from a flag. Just four wins. That's all we need yes. to do. Well, essentially just three wins, really, because we don't really need to win this week. So three wins away from a flag. Like, bring it on. I mean, I'd prefer... Get excited. What I would love is a hard, hard fought, no injury game um, where we get over the line. You know, maybe even a bit of a heart stopper, you know, just to jolt them into finals mode. And I guess we're going to get into the game in a sec after your love, but... You know, I, I don't think we can uh, afford to have our head not in the game for a quarter and then rev it up. You know, so hopefully a nice tight game against Collingwood will uh, uh, overcome that coming into the finals. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, my love this week is the triumvirate midfield of Travis Boak, Tom Rockliffe and Ollie Wines. And uh, they've just found their niche, their mojo, whatever you want to call it. Um this year and uh, all three of them for the first time um, have been in great form over the last sort of four to six weeks uh, all three are performing all three are doing their job perfectly and uh, you know it's just great to watch we, we've just got a midfield which is um, really dominant at the moment it's probably the form midfield of the competition and uh, who, who would have thought that they could all play in the same midfield together well, that's the thing. And look, um, it hasn't been smooth sailing across the journey since Rockliffe came over. And, um, you know, we've had periods where he's been out of form or Ollie's been out of form. Obviously, Trav moved back into the midfield last year and he's just gone from strength to strength. Um, but at the moment, this is the first time over the last sort of month or so where all three, you know, they've basically been our best three players um, for the last sort of four or five weeks which is great it's a it good, makes it, good it makes to it be harder. coming into the finals it makes it harder for the opposition as well doesn't it because I mean you can't tag all of them um, no. you know, and they're all consistently playing well with Sam Power Pepper using his um, uh, aggression and body work also um, you know it gives us a reasonably deep uh, forward line uh, midfield especially with our wingers in form. I thought Carl Amon, especially in the first half, was amazing. 
Um, you know, so yeah, it's they're peaking again at the right time, which is what we wanted to see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, get on to the review. And we played Essendon at uh, Adelaide Oval on Saturday afternoon and came away with a, a very convincing win in um, terrible conditions. We won 11 goals 13, 79 to 4 goals 5, 29. 50 point win. We've wanted a bit of a bigger win over the last few weeks and we got one, um, which was nice. And multiple goal kickers, it was just Charlie with the two. And that was it. We, uh, we spread the love in terms of goal kickers this week, which was nice. And mm. uh, what were your thoughts on the game, buddy? Well, obviously, to state the obvious, it was tough conditions, weren't they? Mm. Um, <coughs> it didn't start off too bad, but the, it progressively got worse. So we had a sort of slow start to the game. I don't think we were outplayed, but I think um, our, I think looking at the replay, our pressure was definitely down in the first quarter. If that if that's the new index for measuring. Uh, if a team's on song or not, we, we were sort of probably a little bit soft and just going through the motions and um, we just sort of stayed in the game. And like I said, I, you know, I thought uh, uh, Amon uh, in that first quarter and the first half was very influential and was doing a lot of running and, and was trying to pro- provide that link-up play for us. But, yeah, we just, we just weren't there mentally. But then obviously after the first quarter, uh, we... Um, yeah, we ramped it up and uh, we uh, we flexed our muscles, which is what we, we wanted to see. I mean, with my friends that I, where I was sitting, I was saying, well, I'd hope for like a six-goal quarter, five, six-goal quarter uh, this quarter, and that's pretty much what the boys delivered. And and then, yeah, it just became a bit of a grind out in the third, and then, yeah, they kicked away again in the uh, in the last. I mean, yeah, like you said, the midfield was amazing. Yeah, all the, all the key players, I thought, were very influential. Dan Houston had his best game back from his suspension uh, so it just took him a week to find his feet um, you know Laddams came in and he's a weird one Laddams isn't he he doesn't his body work's not really present in the ruck but once the ball hits the ground um, he's like that ruck rover isn't he you know yeah. he, he just he just he just competes hard for to get the ball and um yeah it's uh, yeah it's it's really interesting he's an intriguing player but uh, he's I noticed someone mentioned it on the forum. He he seems to have unlimited potential at this point in time with what he could do if he keeps his head in the game. But, but yeah, I mean, you can find a couple of um, passengers like Farrell and and a few of those other half forwards. But, yeah, I mean, overall, um, yeah, great team performance. We did what we did. We got nearly a 10-goal win in those conditions. was impressive and... Uh, I'm excited for where we're going come finals. Yeah. Look, the wetter it got, the better we got, I thought. Uh, simple as that. Yes, we started off a little bit sluggish. and But, you know, if Charlie kicks those couple of goals from in front, then we go in at quarter time in front anyway. Um, but we really put the hammer down in the second quarter. And um, the most pleasing thing for me was that we just absolutely shut down their forward line completely. Like, to keep them to four goals... Um, they only kicked, what, two goals after quarter time. Uh, you know, Danaher had zero influence. Stringer had zero influence. Tip and Woody had zero influence on the game. And uh, that was the pleasing thing for me was that our defence just absolutely shut them out. And, and uh, I thought it was Darcy Byrne-Jones' best game for a little while. I thought he was close to best on ground. Um, Bonner had a ripper game, I thought. McKenzie was really good. 
Uh, the only downside was Cleary getting injured. He's obviously out this week. Um, not sure who will come in for him, but whether it will be Westhoff or, or Leanit. But um, that was probably the only downside for the defensive group. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but I guess hopefully they're saying it's minor, so yeah. hopefully it is minor. And um, I guess, yeah, it's a, in a way it's a little bit of a dead rubber, even though we want to win. So it does provide us an opportunity to go, OK, well, if we do have one of our three key defenders out, who's going who's gonna to fill that void? Um, so uh, it gives us an opportunity to see that. And, you know, he didn't look like he was in massive pain, and so I'm assuming they're just sort of erring on the side of caution to a yeah. degree. For sure. As we said, Tom Rockliffe was great. 31 touches, only the two clearances, but uh, he kicked a goal once again. What I said last week was that just his ability just to grab the ball and get it forward quickly um, out of a pack, especially in those sort of conditions. It really suited his game style, and that's why he was just about best on ground. Yeah, Tommy's in great form. He even got some... uh... Fox recognition, eh? He was on um, on the uh, AFL tonight or whatever he was, and well, I'm excited for the guy. You know, I mean, I don't think we were baggers of Tom like others were. We did question his involvement at certain times, um, but um, overall, I think we've been uh, reasonably supportive of Tom, and it's it's great to see that he's um, finally um, influencing the game how he probably would expect to, and. You know, he's an All-Australian and he's, um, you know, a club champion in another club, so you wouldn't expect anything less. And he's now playing in a way that his leg speed doesn't seem to be um, being, uh, what's the word? It's not exposing him, so to speak, whereas yeah. in, in the last couple of seasons, it, yeah, you can see sort of he was getting exposed. So maybe that's something that he got dropped for and Schofield was working on, just his positioning and stuff. But... Um, yeah, it's exciting to have him, Wines, and Bokel in peak form. Yeah, absolutely. Wines uh, played another ripper, kicked a goal again, which is great. He's getting on the score sheet. Five clearances, uh, nine contested uh, disposals, and you know you saw the uh, the little graphic during the game, which said that he's in the in terms of play ratings, he's been in the top four players in the competition over the last sort of couple of months, and uh, he certainly played like it as well. He's in fantastic form and. Arguably career best form at the moment. Yeah, he's. I mean, the ultimate test is the supporters saying they don't want to trade him. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. I mean, we had last we the last year and a half we had everyone all of the sundry saying is this spud would be lucky to get a second round pick and we should get rid of him. Mm. And uh, now everyone's in love again and doesn't want him to go. So. I mean, it's good. I mean, we all knew that Ollie can provide that um, that standard of gameplay, and I guess you know maybe it's taken a long time for him just to get his um, his confidence back in his shoulder. But his kicking is definitely noticeably better than what I've not recognised in the past. Everything's better than what he's shown in the last couple of years. You know, just his. Um... His grunt work in the middle just to put his body over the ball and win that ball like it's the most important thing on earth. And to dish it out, his skill level's better. He's creeping forward again and kicking goals, which he hasn't done the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, he's just, yeah, a lot of his team care stuff is is up there. Uh, he's just been in great form, which is wonderful. We did ask questions on Jared Schofield after a couple of our losses. Um, you know, what's going on. And I, I sort of was, 
looking at the game with a bit of a Geelong game plan sort of view to it. And the one concern for me was I did think that we didn't man up on the spread that well still. So my my worry is that I think we could maybe get um, exposed by Geelong again if we don't improve that part of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Essendon only kicked four goals, but they're only Essendon, not Geelong. But we weren't able to really lock down and, and sort of um, pin that transition with the Bombers um, as well as what I would hope. So uh, that's the only thing I think we have to watch out for, for from our structures. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'd probably agree with that too. Uh, Connor Rosie, that was probably his best game since maybe even round two. Um, against the Crows. He had 18 touches, six tackles. Uh, didn't kick a goal, but he showed a bit more of his sort of trademark run and carry a little bit and uh, got involved a lot more, which has been great. Hopefully, um, that's a sign of things to come coming into the finals. The magic jab starting to have an influence, maybe, Macca. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. The I, thought the, uh, I thought the key forwards played pretty well, especially in those conditions. Um, Dixon took some great marks including that uh, that magical one-hander in the goal square. Hit two goals, could have had a couple more. I thought Marshall, in the conditions, played really well as well. Had 10 touches, three marks. And uh, didn't kick a goal, but uh, was certainly involved. Was uh, Is Dixon's um, set shots a worry? Of course. <laughs> of course it is. Because he just misses too many gimmies. And we saw that again on the weekend. So do you think, is it... If he had more time, do you think that would solve the problem, like something that I mentioned at the start of the show, or do you think it's just a fundamental flaw regardless of time? I think it's just a fundamental flaw in his kicking action, I think. Um, mm. and, and you notice, like, even the commentators notice, like, um, you know, he, he can sort of tend to lean back on the bowl a little bit, which uh, makes him a little bit wobbly at times. Now, I don't think that's a time issue because he... He takes his full 30 seconds, whereas a lot of other players don't. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's a time thing. I think it's just a you know, just a set shot kicking action routine issue. And probably yeah. a skill issue. But... I still don't... I still think his kicking setup is weird. How he, he leads with his, um, his kicking foot. Yeah. It just, it's back to front for me. But anyway. Fair enough. As I said, the halfback flankers uh, really controlled this game. I thought uh, Houston was wonderful. Darcy, Darcy Byrne-Jones, just his ability. I, lo- I love how he can just win the contested bowl. He he looks to go one way and then he zooms off in another way and gets, it, gets himself out of trouble. And um, I know we've said it a few times on this podcast, but he's very George Fiacci-like in that way. He is, isn't he? He's, he's Even still, he's down to the, the, uh, the perm mullet. He's got the hair going, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, where his ca- uh, career ends up. But and it was a good win without having Butters in the side either, because I, I felt like Butters is a bit of a pulse for us um, with his influence in the game. So um, yeah, but anyway, it's uh, it's good. It'll be handy to have uh, Butters back in the finals. Hopefully, his touch has, doesn't disappear. It was good to win without Sutcliffe as well. Um, I know he's such a key player and I know a lot of our fans love him 
and uh, especially those on big footy that uh, mm. we know how critical he is to our forward setup. So um, I would assume that uh, Butters will definitely come back in for. Uh, well, as I said before, probably Farrell's the one in the gun at the moment. So Butters for Farrell. Who comes out for uh, for Sutcliffe? If anyone, I don't know, but uh, you know, he's there waiting. Is Sutcliffe still playing? I thought he was out. He he was out, mate. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I thought, ah, oh, who comes out for Sutcliffe? Yeah. Oh, it has to be one of the influences like Boak or uh, Wine, surely. I think if it's going to be anybody, it's got to be Pow Pepper. Like Baldy yeah. for Baldy, I reckon. Baldy for Baldy? Baldy for Baldy, mate. On a serious note, I would, I'd, I'd hate to lose Pow Pepper. I think he's uh, in career best form, to Absolutely. be honest. I love his pressure around the contest, his hardness. Um, yeah, he's uh, an exciting proposition. He is. He's having a wonderful season. Wonderful season. Mm. Well, I guess that's it for this game, and uh, we'll move on to some big footy questions. Uh, the first one is from On The Wagon. Uh, where would you find more oil, in a Soto's deep fryer or on a Geelong player's skin during a game? Oh, easily a Geelong player. Definitely. They love the liniment. <laughs> It's like going back to the 80s. <laughs> Whatever locks your boat, I guess. That's it. Uh, Zach Lee has asked, can you explain how the Next Generation Academy works on how we get uh, Lockie Jones since he's playing for Woodville West Torrens in the SANFL? I have no idea. <laughs> well, the Next Generation Academy is um, was brought in to try and promote... Aboriginal and multicultural players and get them more involved um, at a junior level, get them some experience at an AFL club and therefore those clubs um, would then get the opportunity to draft them. And we get Lockie Jones because I'm pretty sure he's a, he's got an Aboriginal background and he's in the uh, Woodville West Toronto zone. He comes from Butte from memory out in the country. And uh, Woodville West Torrens is part of Port Adelaide's um, zonal area. And that's why we get uh, first dibs on him, which is great because he looks like an absolute star. He's had a great year. Mm, Superstar. Uh, Zach Lee has also asked, what has happened to the Albert and Front Bar boys and their podcast? Are they amongst the unfortunate victims of COVID? I think uh, they're technologically illiterate, aren't they? Is that the problem? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> all, all three seem to be uh, lacking in that area. I know, I know Spreaker can have its challenges, but it's not that difficult. Come it's on. It's not that hard. Jesus. Jesus. I mean, I put together a guide for them on how to work it and everything. Still nothing. I think they've had some computer issues, and that's uh, been more of the problem as opposed to Spreaker. Um, but, yeah, hopefully they'll be back soon. Uh, CT Power has asked, uh, is Brad Ebert lucky to still be in the side given how poor his foot skills are, whether on the run or kicking for goal? Oh, look, I think Ebert hasn't been that bad. I mean, every player, I mean, there was the whole Nathan Buckley thing, you know. You, even he coughed up a few kicks every now and again, but people just chose to not remember those. Like, yeah, he had a he had a bit of a shank, which was a, it was apparently noticeable bad, but... Yeah, you know, he made up for it with a nice goal too, didn't he? Mm. Look, I think Brad Ebert's had a great year. Like, I, I don't understand how people could be critical of his season. I think he's been great. Um, mm. Especially considering pre-season, we were all 
not just us on here, but everyone on Big Footy was like, well, is he going to get a game? Like, he shouldn't be part of our best 22. And, you know, his pre-season form was pretty ordinary. And then he's just gone bang since the season started. And considering he's had his usual sort of injury issues and concussion issues and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, mm. You know, I think he's been one of the reasons why we've improved so much and shot up the ladder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. He's been consistent. You know, he's had his head knocks. I think this is his last year. Um, we're not poorer for him. We did question his role in the side at the start of the year, but I think he's shown enough to uh, warrant being there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Incarnate has asked um, 15 questions. So the first one is, uh, apart from current team success, what about the club has impressed you the most this year? Uh, I think it's humility to the members. I think it comes across as generally respectful. Yep. I like that. I think the way that we've organised attendances and getting as many people to games as possible has been great. And obviously, team success (laughs) has been excellent as well. And look, our strategy, just, you know, winning the games that, in, as we said, in previous years, we wouldn't have won. And um, we've won probably three or four of those this year. And that's one of the reasons why we've shot up the ladder, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, this one here from Incarnate. Bur- uh, Burton is struggling physically at the moment and notwithstanding my man crush on him, would you risk taking him into a final knowing he is every chance of breaking down? I think the first final I would. Yeah. Depends how depends how many injuries we have. Like, if I mean, we that's have a to, big risk. If we're dropping a form player to fit him back in, maybe not. But you know, if you're going to the first final and it's Kane Farrell or Burton, well, then you'd probably take the risk on uh, Burton, wouldn't you? Because Farrell's not doing that much anyway. Yeah. Look, we know how important he is, and when he does play, he's he's, uh, he's a great player. He, he's in good form. He does a lot well and rarely puts a foot wrong but um, you know he was pretty much cooked at half time against Carlton and he went off in the first sort of 10 minutes against North Melbourne and that's uh, two of the last three games he's played so is it a risk worth taking I think uh, I don't know that's why the coaches get the big bucks I think um, you know you want your best players on the park um, but yeah being one down sort of uh, early on in a final would be pretty suboptimal I think yes um, Incarnate has said uh, what has happened to those Timmy G one-on-one interviews the club were doing oh obviously they got, Maybe they're just they got busy yeah um, Incarnate has also asked why are Port supporters on this board obsessed with Jack Watts he's a bit of a, an enigma isn't he he's the, he's the new the new butcher well the last game he played he was best on ground so that's probably one reason even though that was like 20 months ago now. Um, but yeah, I guess that's that's it. Oh, I don't think we'll see him again and I think he'll probably be delisted at the end of the year by all reports. But yeah, That's a sad, sad thing. But anyway, hmm. life goes on. So what are your thoughts on, uh, on this week, mate? As uh, Incarnator said, do we want to win or do we want to lose this week? And uh, who do you predict... We will come up against that. in that first quarter, uh, in that first final. Sorry, 
well, I want us to win. I want us to... I don't want to thrash them. Uh, I would love a tight, competitive game, but at the end of the day, if we thrash them because they suck, well, then we thrash them, right? Mm. But um, I'd like a win, and then I don't really care who we play. I mean, I think Geelong and Richmond uh, have both got their challenges. We probably play Richmond a little bit better than what we do Geelong, so... Um, but at the same time, wouldn't it be better to play Geelong with a free hit, so to speak, and and try and um, smash our hoodoo? And uh, hopefully uh, Ken uh, wants to beat them. Sometimes I feel like Ken's a bloody rogue mole for Geelong. He seems to be happy to win everyone except for Geelong. So uh, it would be nice, which I'm sure is not true, but it would be nice to uh, yeah, beat those buggers. It's going to be, oh, it's, it's tough. It's going to be tough. No matter what happens, it's going to be tough. But if we win this week, which um, hopefully will happen, we're going to come up against Geelong in that first final. By the, well, by you'd, you'd have to think Adelaide Oval would suit us for Geelong, really. I mean, they, they prefer the wider ground because it's easier to transition quick and, and create space. So Adelaide Oval being more narrow is going to be difficult for them. It should be easier for us to close down their space, um, in theory. Um, so you would think... And we did beat Geelong Adelaide Oval last year from memory, didn't we? So, um, yeah. yeah. I know. I think Geelong... You just need well, to look, shut you, down. you would think Geelong will beat Sydney this week, and you would assume, even though the Crows are in career best form, uh, you would assume that Richmond will beat Adelaide this week, which will mean, and this is this is the exciting thing, because if we're going to win a premiership this year, there's going to be a lot of hoodoos broken, <laughs> and a lot of sort of uh, past grievances uh, resolved, because at the moment I've got the first final being against Geelong at Adelaide Oval, which would just be massive, would absolutely be massive to win that game, and uh, if we lose that game, uh, it would be likely that we come up against West Coast. And we all know what happened there last time we played them in a final. Mm. Um, if we do beat Geelong, then we come up against Brisbane, who like we just can't beat at the moment. So, and then it's likely that we would uh, come up against Geelong in the grand final, and we know what happened last time there. So, if we're going to win a premiership, like there's no easy games now. This is uh, this is it. This is bring it on. This is uh, crunch time now, mate. I'm excited. Bring it on. I'm Bring excited. I'm excited to. Flag time. Look, you gotta you got to beat the best to be the best, so there's no point us living in fear, dropping games to try and avoid something. Yeah. Sorry, I keep muting when I'm coughing, so if I drop out, that's why. But, uh, look, I, I'm just excited. I think it's... a Hey, I mean, we've had so much doom and gloom, and I know some people are sort of stuck at that doom and gloom. We might as well enjoy and be enthusiastic and have a bit of hope. And you know what? I'm I'm feeling quite good. It's all in the leap year theory, Macca. Yep. One fifty. Exactly. How good would it be to be top of the table for the whole season, win the flag in a hundred fiftieth year? Yes. It would be amazing. It'd be great. And on that note, that is it for this evening, mate. And uh, until next time.
Adios, amigos. Can't ports. <laughs>